Well, good morning, everyone. Once again, thank you for being here. Let me encourage you to do this. It's just interesting how we function as a church. Any of you who have been involved with children and schools and things like that, and probably most of you have, or organizations, you know that if someone is missing, you know, where's your child been, Chris? What's happening? I haven't seen, you know, Billy in years or whatever. You know, Tammy have... We talk to one another and we ask one another, what's happening? Are you okay? Is she sick? Is she coming? Whatever. Let's be that way with one another in reference to those who come to this class or to other functions in the church on the worship service and whatever. Let's be a people who are in a nice and kind way, like I am, aggressively sweet in confronting, I mean, in in encouraging folks to be here, to be here. You know why? Because this is God's classroom. This is God's classroom. And God is certainly, hopefully, through me and through Evan and through Ronald and through any who would be teaching, God, the Holy Spirit, is our teacher. And we want to do well in his classroom because it honors him. So just be sharing with people. Just haven't seen Darlene for weeks and weeks. And so, are you okay? Good to see you, Darlene. Let's be that way because I know on Sunday morning you leave here and you see other people and you think, wow, they haven't been to Sunday school. Say something in a nice way. Or warn them that if they don't, Peter's coming to get them. No, let's not do that. So we're continuing this morning in Matthew chapter 22 as Jesus continues to deal with the whole issue of his rejection by the leadership of Israel concerning his being the Messiah. And in this they are showing that they are the ones, at least at this time, that the Holy Spirit is talking about in Ezekiel 34. You remember in Ezekiel 34, the first 10 verses especially. You false shepherds who are failing to shepherd my sheep. Because of your failure, because of your refusal, because of the way you have acted, my sheep have been scattered. They're like sheep without a shepherd. I know we've heard that before by Jesus. And as a result of that, Yahweh himself, Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, if you would, says, I myself will shepherd my people. I myself. And then one day, the Jews hear from this young rabbi. Remember in chapter 10 of John, I am the good shepherd. And when they hear that, especially the leadership, they realize he is identifying himself with God who said that he would be the good shepherd for his people. So they're resisting this. So let's go through this part today and let's see what the Lord has for us. Father, thank you so much. Father, minister to us today. Teach us today. Father, we are in such desperate, regular, daily, moment-by-moment need 
of the constant care and ministry, fellowship of your spirit. Father, we can't live spiritually a moment if you would withdraw your spirit from us. Minister to us this morning as you said you would and and as you've told us to ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at these, this series of questions that the Pharisees have been leveling against Jesus for the purpose of entrapping him to undermine his authority. As you look at these questions, again, let's not confine what we are reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John just to the page that we're reading from the New Testament. But let's, when we read these words and look at these situations and how Jesus responds, let's remember that what we are seeing in the pages of the New Testament is also actively happening in the pages of our own lives. This is what's happening in us today. And so as the Pharisees are questioning Jesus' authority, who are you? Who do you think you are? You don't have authority for this. What makes you think, I have the right to do this, and I have the right to do that, and I'm free to do the other? We're hearing the same questions in our own hearts from the same enemy who was behind these questions. And these are the same questions that are encapsulated in Genesis 3 verse 2. Hath God said, does God have the authority? Don't you have some right to make a decision based on what you want to do and based on what you understand is good and wise? Don't you have that right, Gordon? I mean, come on, Judy. Hasn't God given you a mind? Can't you use your own mind to make decisions? And we would say, yes, if that mind is submitted to the mind of Christ. But that's not how believers too often think and feel. And then we remember another series of attacks, questions. In Matthew chapter 3 or in Luke, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. If you're the son of God. If you're the son of God. And how many of us hear those questions leveled against us on a regular basis? Those ifs. Those challenges. Am I speaking to people who understand what I'm saying? We are continually challenged by the enemy through our flesh, through the world, and through our propensity to sin. And we have to be aware that what we're reading on the pages of Matthew, or Luke, or John, or Mark, is happening on a daily and regular basis in my life. So we must be aware of the Remember in Ephesians 6, 
those flaming missiles that are directed toward the believer, then the apostle said, but raise up the shield of faith with which you can quench all the flaming arrows. Do you remember reading of something like that? I think it's verse 10, if I'm not correct. I could be wrong, but... And Jesus is the living faith. And you see him quenching all of these arrows. When you're having difficulties and real problems and attacks in your family and things are going wrong. We have to be careful because we're more susceptible to being undermined in our faith at those times and in those areas. And Satan is watching. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So when we read these words, and I hope to get through the text today, I'm always very concerned for me and for you that we're not reading them simply for the gaining of information, but we're reading them as we gain information. We're allowing and asking for the Holy Spirit to cause that information to become a living reality in me and in us. So verses 15 to 17, Matthew 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted. Do you... It is so difficult to teach and not deal with every word. Phil, you've experienced that, right? Frank, you've experienced that. Others of you who have taught experienced that. Look at, the, look at this. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted how to entangle him in his talk. Who's behind that? Whose breath do you smell when it says they plotted. Who? Satan. Satan. And he's plotting against each one of us. Relentlessly. Relentlessly plotting. How he may entangle us in sin. Be aware of this. But also be aware that we have a high priest and we have living in us today him who has overcome every plotting comment and attack. Amen? So let's be aware of both sides. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, a teacher, We know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. Ah, oh, you're so great. I love your sermons. I love you. And you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us, uh, teacher, <clears throat> what do you think? <clears throat> and I can just see when they ask this. Look at me, look at me. They're drooling. They're drooling. Teacher. Teacher. Hi, teacher. 
Barry, I like you so much, whatever. Now, that's not true, but, but you know, you're just... <laughs> Phil, Barry's my friend, remember that. Teacher, and they're looking around. Should we uh, <clears throat> pay taxes to Caesar or not? And everybody, all of a sudden... The government of the United States of America supports, in some way, through taxation, abortions. Would you agree with that? Does everybody agree with that? Are we okay with that? We all understand, right? We understand that happens, don't we? We agree to that. We don't agree that it's right. We agree to the understanding that it happens. How many of us would think we shouldn't pay our taxes to support that? You see, if we keep it just on Rome, but it happens today. Whatever happened then is still happening today. Somebody said somewhere there's nothing new under the sun. Somebody said that to somebody on some occasion. You may have remembered that. If you didn't see the movie, then I'm sure you don't know anything about it. Should we pay taxes? The Pharisees now join with the Herodians. The Herodians are a small group of priests who are friends with the family of Herod, Herodians, Herodians. And they are also not duplicitous with Rome, but they also understand that Rome and favor this, that Rome needs taxes, etc. And they favor cooperating with Rome so we can have peace and security, whatever. So, you know, we just need to kind of go along. So they, they, they would say we should pay taxes. The Pharisees would say, oh, you nuts. You must be weird and crazy. And so you have two opposites coming together and joined in unity against Christ. Look at how they begin all the flattery. Jesus said, be careful when men think well of you. But Jesus, being aware of their malice, I'm trying not to draw this out for six weeks. But again, it must be said. Here is evidence of the operation of one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we see enumerated at least partially so, not exclusively and extensively and comprehensively so, but we see enumerated in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, joined together with chapter 13 to say how these gifts ought to function with what kind of a context. Do you remember that? Jesus knew what was in their hearts. One of the big problems that we have as individuals is that we cannot know what's in our own hearts, let alone the heart of another, unless it be given to us by the Spirit. And so continually ask for the gift of knowledge, of discernment, of wisdom. Amen? Continually. Don't Base it on the natural thoughts and appearances. You will always fall down. Base it in the Holy Spirit's giving you something. I know what I know what that heart is. I know why He's asked that. I now know what's happening. 
I see behind all of this the hand of an enemy. That's 90% of the battle. Being aware. He says, why are you trying to test me, you hypocrites? You know something? I think, I may be wrong, but people say, oh, oh, if only Jesus were the pastor of our church. Oh, how wonderful it would be. Are you kidding? We wouldn't come to a church like that. Have you read some of his words and commands and his expectations? Have we seen them and understand them literally for us? Bob, we wouldn't put up with him. You hypocrite! Oh, pastor, pastor, that's not grace. You're hurting their feelings. You see, we must have, we must relate to one another in a way that is very concerned about how others feel. Well, there is room for that and there are times for that. But then there are times for leveling the guns of God. Can you say amen? Even for a believer and other believers. This is grace. Calling them a hypocrite is grace. When Paul says in Galatians, if you believe something different than what I taught you, remember chapter 1, verses 9 and uh, 12, I think it is? He says, if you believe something else, go to hell. Oh, my word. Can you imagine a pastor in his church preaching that on Sunday morning? No, no, seriously. No, not really. Can you imagine? I suppose you can imagine me doing it. I don't know. But I'm up there. And if I say, if you believe anything else, may you go to hell. Man, you know how many calls I would get? But Celeste, the Apostle Paul says this. And we say, amen, brother. You know why he's saying it? Because this man is so consumed with the honor and the integrity and the glory of his God. And he loves God so much that he is going to level God's guns against anything and anyone and everything that is in any opposition to God. So Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Oh my heavens. I need to go in the pastor's office now and get rebuked and corrected so my terminology is a little better. Am I saying, Carl Blanche, it doesn't matter how the hell you talk? No, it does. It matters within the context of the Holy Spirit's leadership and not with the context of making men and women and their lives more significant than hearing from God and responding and caring and ministering the way God tells us to minister rather than trying to couch it and control it and and manipulate it into what we think is the way to do it. Well, that's what I see here, but I'm just kind of sharing with you thoughts. Verses nine, 19 to 20. Show me the current. All of you know New Orleans Kern. Those rest of you from somewhere else coin. Show me the Kern. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription or whose image is on it? Inscription. Now, that's an obnoxious. So here they give him a coin, denarius. And here's the stamped image of Tiberius Caesar. 
I don't know where your politics is, and that's not the point. But I want to say this, because I think it makes the point. Can you imagine if you have a quarter on your 25-cent piece, that's, you know, and it has the stamp of Donald Trump on it. And we say to those who love Donald Trump, whose image? Well, it's Donald Trump. We say to the others, whose image is it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're going to want to vomit before they say, do, do you see that? Do you, do you understand that? It's worse for these Jews. It's worse. It's worse. Or if you have Nancy Pelosi on it. <laughs> or I love her. Whatever it is. Nancy Pelosi. Or if you have, and you name the politician. That's how you make it real. We got to put it in our own daily vernacular. And man, they see this and, man. What does it say? Deus Pontifex Maximus. What? You had the image of Tiberius, and on it it says, God and high priest. For them even to say that is absolutely hideous. So now those who would entrap Jesus are now entrapped. And they said, and I can imagine how reluctantly is their answer. Caesar. Caesar. Got it? Caesar. Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) Donald Trump, man, as much as I hate these people, I got to use these coins and I'm every day seeing it on the dollar bill, the tens or whatever's. And Jesus said to them, Therefore render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Oh, my heavens. Oh, oh my heavens. What are you saying? What are you saying here? We need to think about this, especially in these increasingly divisive days. Division has been on the earth since Genesis 3.6. Don't be surprised. In Genesis 3.6, at the last three words of the sentence, and he ate, Satan achieved his purpose to divide God from man, man from God. And then he began the whole operation of dividing men and women, husbands and wives, children, friends and whatever, from one another. Uniting them in one thing. Uniting them in their sin. But as to God dividing them, right? The Herodians and the Pharisees come together on the basis of sin. Sin unites like nothing else does. In the natural world. Don't you see this? Do you see it? But what unites us. In the church is Ephesians 4. Verse 1. I don't know what that says. But I got to look it up later. I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. Exhort you that you walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. With which you have been called. 
doing what? All to what? Maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I skipped a verse. You see, Jesus gives them this totally unanticipated answer. With this answer, Jesus recognizes that God has instituted secular government with limited authority and obligations for the management of its citizens. What this means in general is that everything is under God's authority, but God creates authorities upon the earth for the management of the nations or the people. We know that. I'm not going to read to you Romans 13, 1 through 7. But this is exactly the same issue that Paul is talking about in Romans 13, 1 through 7. It's the same issue. See, the issue didn't go away. It's still in the church. They're still trying to figure out... Are you sure we need to pay this because that money goes over here and he do that? And they're stealing from us and they're corrupt. Well, certainly they are. They can't be anything else because they are natural governments. Amen? They cannot be anything else. Is it obnoxious? Well, certainly it's obnoxious. Another one, read 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. The same thing. See, this means that God's people... How many God's people in here? Everybody? A few of you didn't raise your hands. We'll have an altar call at the end. <laughs> this means that we, God's people, us today in this room, are to live under the authority of secular government. Living in such a way that Matthew five thirteen through 16 Is clearly being demonstrated. What does that say? Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt and you are the light. That's what we're called to be. That's our function in society preeminently and primarily. Our function in society is not to change society. Why? Because we cannot change. Jesus did not come to change this current society and make this. Did you notice I use the word current? And make this current society better. Harold, that's not why he came. Although there are churches that teach that. There are people who will say that if we love one another enough and begin to learn to love. We can change the world. It's a false gospel. It's not the truth. Even if we love one another in God's kind of love, we will never change the world. There's only one who will change this from this world to another. One, Chris. And he's coming back with angels and with an army. And with a whole lot of folks. And he's not coming back as sweetie pie. You know how people think sweetie pie Jesus. He's coming back. Hebrew says not in reference to sin. He ain't coming back to die again. There's no continuing sacrifice of the living, eternal, exalted son of God. 
He has had one sacrifice once and forever and has sat down at the right hand of God. Someone said that to somebody in some letter. And it's chapter 9 of that particular letter if you're looking for it. You see, we are to be displaying the light of the gospel to the world through our good deeds and our good citizenship. However, however, government does not have the authority to claim what God has forbidden nor command what God does not allow. Now, we didn't, we're not going to do this, although, and I'll tell you why we're not going to do it. Because Holy Spirit simply did not give me the gifting or the anointing this morning to do this. And I am not going to share personal opinions on how to do this and that and the other thing. Because here's where we have the opportunity to be split as a people. There are going to be numerous ways that all of this is understood and interpreted and walked out. Hopefully each one honoring and trusting the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit as best he or she discerns it. Let's take the high road. Amen. And so some will say, I genuinely think this is the way to go. Where another believer would say, no, I disagree. That's the way to go. So if we categorize issues in here. I'll go back to the current politicians. You see, why? Why do you do that? Because we live here. Cody, this is where we live, right? So some, if I said in this room, how many of you think Donald Trump is absolutely doing a great job? Some would say yes, some would be in the middle, and some would be revoltingly sick. Probably in a room this size, Right? Some of you would say, man, wish to God he never would have been born, let alone be president. Why am I mentioning it? Because he's the president. But what happens is that we allow the things of this earth and the things of our own dispositions and our own desires and attitudes to formulate how we relate to one another rather than sub, submitting them to the superior work of God and his purpose. And so I don't know where you stand on any of this. Have I, have I talked to you about any of this before? So let's say Butch hates Donald Trump with a vengeance. Okay? I heard someone the other day, I hate him with a vengeance. And the man is supposedly a believer. You say, well, he should hate him with a vengeance. Or I hate Nancy Pelosi with a vengeance. And you're a believer. And so, this man and I are on two opposite ends of the porch on this issue. Here's the danger. Satan seeks to divide us on the basis of Something worldly and in a moment it is gone. Something worldly and in a flash it's gone. Because this life changes quickly and moves along quickly. I'm 74 and I can tell you there's no way I should be 74 years old. I think I must be about 15 years old and I don't know what happened to all those other years. 
Bob Swanson can agree to that. He's shaking. Yeah, I know how that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you saw Bob? Yeah, I got that one. <laughs> and here's how you evaluate how we feel and deal with these issues. Here's how you do it. If you don't know what I'm, uh, if you're not going to remember what I'm saying, write it down. Here's how you re- deal. What was the other word? Huh? I didn't hear you. Here's how we evaluate and deal with these issues. Here's how we do it. We take the issue, whatever it is, Rick. Right? Rick, right? Whatever the issue is. Whatever the issue is. I don't care what it is. Whatever the earthly, political, social, economic, racial, whatever ethnic issue. Whatever it is. And we put it within the context of our standing before God on the day of judgment and eternity. To say, in eternity, is this an issue that we should have allowed such and such to happen to me? Or to attack? Or to be angry and bitter? You see, it's eternity we have been saved for eternity, not for the good of this current earth. Now, am I saying I don't care? No, I do care. Am I saying it doesn't matter? Yes, it does matter. But it matters within the context of not the current earth, but it matters within the context of the glory and honor and goodness and etc., etc., of God himself. Amen? So, yes, we should vote. I think everybody should be registered to vote. But if you're not, it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. That's my opinion, John. So you have a different opinion, so, but we should walk together in unity, even though we may disagree with this. And we should vote. So I vote for this party and you vote for that party. We should walk in agreement spiritually, even though we have some natural distinctions. Should the church be out there having placards and all that and whatever? Or should the church, you know what, may I give you my opinion on something? I think the word of God bears this out. If we want to know how to respond to the current situations, whatever it is, Look at the men and women of the church in the book of Acts. And look at how the church responded to the most hideous and heinous dictators the world has ever known. Horrible. Because you see, the power of the church of Jesus Christ was not in its social action. But was in its community of believers who were united and walked on the basis of the will of God as revealed in the word of God. And who made their voice into the world known through prayer preeminently. And what happened? God exploded the gospel into the world. The church today is relying on everything else but what the church in that day relied upon.
I'm talking about generally so. And you wonder why we're weak. Because once we take up horses and chariots, do you remember somebody said about your horses and chariots because you trusted in them? Somebody said that to somebody somewhere. Because we've taken up horses and chariots of the world, we've lost the power of God in a functioning way against the wiles and extreme of this, the schemes of the devil. I have to be careful. I am not a dispassionate man. I, ha- I have feelings and I have attitudes about me. And I have to be careful to submit those to God. Verse 22. And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. I, can you imagine what happened? They stood there probably like this. You see, the word of God should always shut our mouths to wrong kinds of questionings and open our hearts to right kinds of questionings. Amen? That should happen. When we read this word, sometimes, let me tell you, my mouth has been shut. This is a a, a phrase that I will often hear. Well, have I been schooled. Remember school? Well, have I been schooled. Now, I know you may not know where that's from. Anybody know where that's from? Shakespeare, Henry IV, Prince Hal. Well, have I I been schooled. When I had this or thinking that or going there or acting, and the Holy Spirit says, do you remember this word? Oh, yes. I needed that word. Amen. I needed that word. And Jesus shut their mouths with his answer. We're not going to go into the second part of the resurrection because if we do, I don't mind being here for the next two or three hours, but the elders may not appreciate that very much. As we close, if you have not signed the sheet, please, please do so for me. It helps me a lot to be able to keep up with you and to know how you're doing. So if you have not signed it, if at the end of the class you can come up and sign this sheet right here or get one, whatever, and we would be so grateful for you to do that. Amen. So as we walk out into the world, let me give you a warning. The devil just heard everything, and he's ready for you. And it's like this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And be ready to be attacked very quickly. But remember, put yourself and your response and your feelings and your whatever within the context of standing with Jesus in the heavenlies forever. And try to discern and maybe do discern, is what I'm going to say or how I'm going to act, is it worth it in view of that eternal day? Amen? Go ask folks who have not been in here. Come back. We all need this word. This room should have 300 people in it. 500. 1,000. Millions. Amen. See you next week.